Welcome to the Divorce Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Carolee Fontanelli, and I am a divorce lawyer and author and have been through divorce myself. I'm here to support you throughout your breakup journey. On this podcast, I will share with you my secrets and legal tips on how you can thrive through your separation in small six-minute increments. Don't do it alone. I have got you. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Divorce Collective podcast. I'm Danielle Young. I'm a senior associate here at Collective Family Law Group. And today I'm going to talk to you about understanding the difference between tenants in common and joint tenants and the considerations that might apply um, in family law separation depending on the tenancy. So when it comes to property ownership, uh, whether it's through inheritance, transfer, purchase, there are common methods of co-ownership and they are tenants in common and joint tenants. Each approach has its own unique characteristics and have significant practical implications, especially in the context of family law separation um, and in family law generally. Let's explore the key differences between these two forms of property ownership and I guess some of their pros, cons or consequences um, as it relates to a partnership, um, you know, a spousal partnership. So tenants in common. Um, so those ownership shares are when individuals opt for tenants in common. Each co-owner holds a specific percentage or share of the property. So those shares may be, but they don't actually have to be, held in equal shares. And the ownership shares are registered on the title deed. So it creates separate interests. Importantly, tenants in common have separate and distinct interests in the property. Each co-owner's share can be freely transferred or inherited without the consent of the co-owners. So what does it mean for survivorship? Unlike joint tenants, which I'll talk to you about in a second, tenants in common do not have a right of survivorship. So if one co-owner passes away, their share of the property is distributed according to their will or applicable laws, rather than automatically passing to the surviving co-owner. So that leads me into joint tenants. So joint tenants have an equal ownership. So they have equal ownership of the shares in the property. There's no distinction between co-owners and they collectively own that property. The right of survivorship that I've just um, alluded to, one of the defining features in a joint tenancy is the right of survivorship. If a joint tenant passes away, their share automatically transfers to the surviving joint tenant. And this can be a crucial aspect in estate planning, but it also is a crucial uh, practical um, thing that parties have to consider uh, when they do their separation, when they're going through their property law separation and how long is that taking, etc. So some other practicable, sorry, practical <laughs> implications in family law. The choice between tenants in common and uh, joint tenants can have significant consequences during family law separation, especially when the property is part of um, marital assets. Accordingly, how the property is registered at the time of purchase should also have significant consideration given to it, particularly if the parties are entering into second marriages or relationships and blended family dynamics must be present. 
So you can see there's a couple of different implications. One, um, if you're entering into a, a property purchase with a new spouse, um, if you're actually, you know, um, contributing not the same amount um, or you intend not to contribute the same amount by way of mortgage repayments, um, then that'll be important for you to consider um, because you might then, you know, want to look at that tenants in common option where you can actually identify your different interests in that property. Um, so some key um, practicable Again, that word, practical <laughs> things to consider both at the time of purchase and following separation. Distribution of property. In a family or separation, the court will consider the type of ownership when determining how to distribute the property. If the property is held in joint names, the court will likely have to make an order to sever that tenancy between separated couples, which includes transferring the property one spouse. Asset purchase, like I just went through, with tenants in common, there's more flexibility in how the property is registered. This might be particularly important where one party pays more towards the acquisition of the property than the other. Estate planning. When considering property ownership, it's essential to align it with your estate planning goals. Joint tenancy might be preferred for couples who want to ensure the seamless transfer of property to their surviving spouse upon death. Tenants in common may be a better choice for those who wish to preserve their distinct shares of ownership for their own heirs and beneficiaries. Changing the tenancy. It's common that parties register a property as joint tenants when it's purchased. What inevitably occurs upon separation, however, is that spouses might not necessarily um, want any more uh, for their share in the property to automatically pass to the ex surviving spouse in the event of their death. While negotiating a property division and formalising that division will include transfers or sale of the property and take care of that issue, the process can take some time. That property settlement process can take some time. So parties should consider whether the joint tenancy needs to be severed, which can be done without the consent of the other party, while the parties await to formalise their division agreement by way of an order. This protects the spouse in case something happens in the waiting period. So hopefully that's given you a very um, quick snippet and snapshot into some of those interesting um, practical issues that come up um, when we talk about how we register properties. Um, so in conclusion, the choice between tenants in common um, and joint tenants can significantly impact um, how property is distributed and what considerations you need to have during family law separation. Again, I've also mentioned that not don't just wait until separation to consider these um, these things. If you're entering into a new relationship, you might want to preserve and protect the assets that you already have. So you might want to consider about how then the purchase of that property is registered. And of course, um, we always say, come and talk to us about um, what instruments um, you might be able to put in place to protect your pre-existing assets when you go into a relationship. And there's more podcasts on financial agreements um, over on our website, so you can have a look at those. It's essential to consult with a legal and financial professional to make sure an informed decision that aligns with your personal circumstances and goals are made. Understanding these different ownership structures and their implications can help ensure a fair and equitable resolution during a challenging time of family law separation. 
Until next time, thanks for tuning in. Thank you for listening to the Divorce Collective podcast brought to you by collectivefamilylaw.com.au. If you got value from this week's episode, I would love it if you would hit subscribe and take a minute to leave a review. You can connect with us on Instagram or Facebook just by searching for Collective Family Law. And remember, until next time, you have got this.